and Apex Lab Podcast. Hey there, welcome to the Level Up Engineering Podcast, where we speak to the most experienced technology leaders from around the world. So stay with us to learn actionable management insights to take your engineering team to the next level. This show is powered by Apex Lab, a team of experts in end-to-end digital product development. ApexLab.io Karolina Tóth speaking. Welcome to the Level Up Engineering Podcast. Today I have here Geiger Oros from Uber, or used to work at Uber, and he was actually my first guest on the podcast, and we talked about mentorship, so if you want to check out our previous conversation, please go ahead and give it a listen. Today we are talking with Gergely about an entirely different kind of topic. But before that, I have an announcement to make. We have 10 copies of the Tech Resume Inside Out, a book written by Gergely. So if you would like to join the raffle, please go ahead and check out the description of this podcast. This is an extensive guide on how to write and evaluate technology-related resumes. So uh, check it out at thetechresume.com and um, maybe buy yourself a copy or enter the raffle if you're feeling lucky. So with that said, welcome, Gergely. Great to be back on the podcast. It's come a long way since the first episode. Always good to be back. Thank you so much for making the time to join us again. Today, we will talk about... um, objectively evaluating tech resumes and maybe there will be a few tips about writing them in the successful way. Let's go ahead and um, start by uh, introducing you a little bit. Um, You have worked at many prestigious companies. You have worked at JP Morgan and Microsoft and uh, most recently Uber. What are your passions? Yeah, so Really good to be back here. And my passions, I have a lot of them and they keep changing. One of the big ones is is working with and helping software engineers grow professionally, get better at what they do. And also, I, I honestly just love to learn uh, different things. So uh, whenever I work in a, a different team or a new environment, just continuously learning. I, I think that's my biggest passion. And one of the ways I found to learn really well is to teach what I learn and often sign up to talk about stuff that I don't know about. And, and this is actually how I, I learned most of the things in my career. I, I'm going to say learning and a lot of the things that, that comes with it, uh, learning and passing it on to other people. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. And with that said, let's jump right into our topic of discussion for today. How important is it for a software engineer in this day and age to have a great resume? So this is a really important one, and this is a really interesting one. I don't think it used to be important for a software engineer to have a resume at all, especially if you had some a few years of experience before COVID. I don't think it mattered, honestly. I have been a hiring manager for a long time, and any software engineer with over, let's say, three or four years of experience, it was just hard to get people interested, even in companies like Uber or or. Maybe some some companies that don't have this this issue is, is maybe very few, like Google or or some of the hottest companies. But for the majority of the companies, they just didn't find enough people who seem to have any level of experience. So very few people know, but there are multiple types of recruiters at big tech companies, and one of them is called a sourcer. A sourcer is someone who whose job is to find people 
to convince them to apply to a job. So if you ever got a LinkedIn in-mail in your account or an outreach email, chances are that was from a sourcer. And before COVID, this is pretty much how any position above a few years experience uh, was filled. Now, when you were a new, new start or a new graduate, having a, a resume that just represented you fairly was always important. But what I've seen with COVID, and the reason I actually even wrote a book about this, I never thought I would write a book about uh, this topic. I was actually writing a very different book that I'm still writing about growing as a software engineer, which I plan to have just one chapter about changing jobs, which would have had one section on resumes saying, well, maybe sometimes you need it, especially when you're starting out. But the interesting thing is with COVID, there were unfortunately so many layoffs, even in the tech industry. Uh, I had people in my team being laid off, which was very unfortunate, really great engineers. And again, most people who I know uh, were in the same boat. And those people had to apply for jobs, often cold apply to jobs. And, and to apply for a job, you need to submit a resume for different reasons. We can later talk about that, but you need to submit a resume. And so I was actually advising a lot of my former colleagues. I offer to review their resumes as a hiring manager. I saw a lot. And the thing I realized is, is most software developers just don't know how to write resumes because they never have to. And so people are often insecure. They just do really basic mistakes. I'll give you an example. A software engineer with 10 years of experience was telling me he's not hearing back from any of the companies. I looked at his resume and he had a photo on it. He had his position listed from the first one from like 2012, 2013, 2014, the wrong way. And, and, and some of these things, again, that was a bit of an outlier. So the only time it's still important to have a resume is if you're applying for jobs. If people are coming to you, you know, you have a decent LinkedIn profile, that's going to be enough. And of course, we know some software developers love their job. They're not looking for anything new. You don't need a resume. And you can even just close your LinkedIn if you really feel happy in your current role. Although I, I might I might advise against getting off completely on LinkedIn. I know it's getting a bit of a bad rap, but I got all my my last three positions, Skype, Skyscatter, and Uber, all came through a LinkedIn message and I was not looking. So And you decided to go with these um these LinkedIn messages. Maybe it's good to keep your options open, I guess. Let's dive a little deeper into um the difference between a good and a great resume for a software engineer. And this is really subjective. It's not, not even subjective, it's very situational. Of course, the strongest resumes you can see that are just always stronger are resumes that have companies that you've heard of. You know, if someone has Google or Facebook or these days, I guess Stripe or maybe Airbnb is, is becoming really popular or Snowflake. <laughs> Snowflake, the company that just went IPO and they're, they're worth more than Uber as of we're speaking. So then maybe this will change. But when you have some of these recognized companies are in your resume, that's, that's a bit of a badge of honor. It just shows that you were able to get in there and, and people value you differently. But in all fairness, a great resume will be something that is a match for the job. So I'll give you an example. At, at, at Uber, at my previous team, we hired for a bunch of senior backend engineers with distributed systems experience. A great resume there is someone who has done some sort of distributed systems work, ideally at scale, in the similar scale that, that, that we've done, and because that's the type of stuff we're doing. Now for, let's say, a web development agency who is contracting out React engineers, someone who's contributed to React Core would be a great resume. So a great resume is just something that really fits the job. And you need to think of a lot of people just think about their, their resume, like, well, how does my resume look like? And how is my resume? There's no such thing as your one resume. It, it, it's the other way around. Hiring managers get a lot of inbound 
uh, job applications and a lot of resumes, and they want to solve their problem. So for them, a great resume is someone who, oh, it looks like this person could be a good fit for my team. I want to talk to them immediately. That's that's it. And and that's why you need to turn the thinking around instead of the biggest thing I advise to people is, is to get referrals. And we'll we'll talk about that, I'm sure. But the second biggest thing is tailor your, your resume for that for that position. Look through the job advertisement. Think about what is this hiring manager trying to solve for? It's usually written in a job description. And then just make some tweaks on, on your resume. So for example, if you've done Angular JS and React as well, and it, and this position they're looking for a React engineer, just instead of listing that, that you know Angular and React, just say I know React. Oh, and Angular as well. All right. So if I understand this correctly, what you're suggesting is to kind of look at the hiring manager's problem and solve it with your own resume. When you can. So just highlight right. the experience. Your, highlight your experience that that's relevant. I'm going to say tailor uh, your experience to that one. Because again, what a lot of developers don't think about, and this is just because we've not been applying for jobs for a while. This is for a lot of people, this will be brand new applying for jobs. They think, oh, I'm going to send my resume and I know myself, I'm amazing. I know I can do React. I know I can do Angular. In fact, I've even built distributed systems in the past. I know I would I would be amazing at this company. Maybe this company is Uber or Facebook or the startup or, or this company, that, this other company. What they don't think about is every single one of these companies has a different hiring manager with, with a different problem. Of course, you cannot tell this problem, but I'll, it typically goes like this. And, and in this environment, there's two types of places. One of them is a fast-growing place where they've just gotten headcount. Uh, for example, in this environment, they're doing pretty well. And the hiring manager has just gotten headcount to hire five more people. And they're building a new team. And they're thinking, OK, we want a right range of people. We want a senior. We want some juniors, et cetera. And, and they're going to be open to a lot of these people, but they also want to hire pretty quickly and they want to hire some of the best in the market. The other hiring manager might be someone who someone quit on their team, a person with two years of experience who was doing, let's say, web development quit and they need to backfill. Backfill means you, you, you want to get someone and they know exactly what they want. They want someone who's kind of like that. They'll maybe they'll be flexible. And both of these people are going to write job descriptions. Some of the job descriptions will be a little bit more flexible. For example, this person who's hiring for a whole team, they're going to probably say, it'll be great if you have interest in these things. You can have like from two years of experience to however much. They're going to be a little bit more, more open with it. They will not put a lot of this information in the job description. They're not going to say we're hiring five people or we're hiring a new team. But as someone who's looking for a job, it is good to try to look behind the, the job itself. And again, the job description is what you want to look at. A lot of people don't even read it in, in detail, and they make zero amendments to their CV. They, they just fire the same resume to every single place, and then they're surprised that they don't hear back. Right. And, and so sometimes you can potentially go to a bit of extra mile, especially for smaller companies, to do your research on the company. What are they doing? What might they be hiring for? Again, worst case, you learned a little, little bit. Best case, you might be able to tailor it a little bit more. Right. So with that said, should we aim to show some of our non-typical experience um, do you suggest that after having looked at the company stating you know if i see that the company has yoga classes i indicate that i do yoga in my free time or would you advise on bringing in any non-professional coding experience or even non-technical work experience I'm going to be a little pragmatic, and maybe this will be a turn down to a lot of people. A lot of people think I'm special. 
I'm and a lot, lot, lot of developers think I'm special. I have all these skills. I have all these interests. Surely the company wants to hire someone who has all this passion and all this skill. And on the other hand, as a hiring manager, I get 50 resumes. Half of them are people who do have special expertise. Half of them are really excited about the company. And hiring is a long process. But in the first pass, I just want to get a sense of who are the people who could be good for this job. And in that job, there are a few requirements that are usually set out. Again, different companies set out different things. But one of them is typically years of experience. At large tech companies, whenever you open a job requisition, which is a job opening, internally, you, you set a level which you might not advertise externally, but you might say, is, is this an inch one, an inch two, a senior, a staff? And those typically correlate to years of experience. So one of the best things you can do is have a very clear resume that shows how, mon how many years of experience you have, because that just makes it easy for the hiring manager to either say like, okay, this person has it, or if not, they're going to reject it, but they would have rejected it anyway. And that's, it's probably a good thing if they reject it. The problem that some people do is if you have a resume that's very fancy and you add a lot of details, the hiring manager might look at it and they're not sure how much experience you have and they'll put it in their, in their head in this, this maybe pile. So we can talk about how people typically sort it, but just having a clear resume that shows your hard skills, technologies, your, the project, and talking about the impact that you have done at your company. If you are applying for multiple of these modern tech companies, the likes of Google, Facebook, et cetera, talk about your achievements. What have you done at your current or, or past company? If you shift the project, what was the impact? How many users? How many queries per second? How many services? Uh, what percentage of, of lines of code did you refactor or did you improve? And another tip that I give to people is if you have numbers in your resume saying, I did this specifically, this number, this percentage, you will already have a standout resume because I typically see less than 20 or 15% of people have any numbers. They typically say, here are my responsibilities. I shipped this project. It's got a project name. And as someone who's reading resume, I'm, I don't have too much context on what this means. Sure. So those are all more important than some of your side projects, unless you have little experience or no experience. So when you're a new grad, side projects are important to show that you've done something. But again, impactful side projects are, are more important. You building a hello world on GitHub, great. We've seen that millions of times. You actually contributing to React or Vue, even if it's just a few fixes, that gets my attention. I rarely see people do that. Right, right. So if I am hearing you correctly, it's definitely hard skills over soft skills and achievements and really precise amounts or numbers over just like big fluffy words. Yep, and on your side projects, the impact is important. So just to be clear, if you built an app that that does have 10,000 users, that's great. Uh, that, again, will grab my attention, assuming it's, it's let's say, for, for, for an app developer position. Again, just think about doing things that is beyond the average. Almost every resume has a GitHub attached to it. Almost every GitHub that's attached to it does have a few Hello World type projects. So it's no longer a standout thing just to have a project that you did or having built, how, having followed a tutorial, or having some some of these degrees that are you know, a few clicks to complete. I have talked with people, and it depends on, on where you are. If you're working at a well-known company, the job market is actually pretty good because you do get interviews and, and there is interest. When you're not there, it's a really tough job market. And when you're starting out, it's an even less forgiving one because there's fewer junior positions. So the resume is, is, is that first step. And 
the the best thing I can advise, and this was talking with a recruiter. Uh, I talked with a recruiter and I asked them, like, you know, what is your job preparation strategy? And he said, focus on what is not working. So if you're applying for jobs, are you getting callbacks from recruiters? If you are, great. Your resume is probably good enough. If you're not, then focus on your resume and then, you know, this podcast will help you. If you're getting those callbacks, then you'll probably need to focus on other things. Uh, a lot of people who have gone through this guide, and I also helped out some of them, have told me that they, they have started to get interviews. Now, a lot of them have not gone through those interviews. I had a person who told me, amazing, they got interviews from Facebook, Amazon, and uh, I think it was Microsoft. Unfortunately, they, they never progressed beyond that. But at least they were starting to get there, so they, they had that next challenge to figure out what skills they were missing, how to prepare better, etc. Right, right. And that's also a very interesting um, side of getting a new job. But uh, let's circle back a little bit and um, talk about you kind of mentioned the perspective of the hiring manager. What happens to your CV when you submit it to a big company? <laughs> the, the magical big, big black box. So uh, yeah, this, this is, I had no idea what, what happens to resumes. Uh, until I started to work at a big company. At a small company, let's start with, with what happens with a small company because big companies are just an extension to small companies. At the smallest possible company, a startup with uh, one CEO and CTO, one person, one founder, you submit a CV and that person will read it. They're hiring people. And if they have time, they'll reply to you, but but maybe they forget about it and, and maybe they reject you, but they just, they just don't have time to reply, so you never hear back. Now, at a big company, even before a resume, there's a requisition, uh, an opening opened and the hiring manager get somehow gets headcount they get budget they say okay you can hire let's say one person just to keep it simple they talk with the recruiter they, they put a job description it goes out on a company website as it goes out on a company website they also it also probably goes out internally so internal boards where employees can refer people but then resumes start to come in the hiring manager is too busy to, to look at all, all these uh, resumes because uh, they have uh, other things to do and, and they might have multiple openings and a recruiter will typically read, look at the incoming resumes. Now, at, at really large companies, the recruiters are also too busy. So there's a specialized role called an inbound sourcer. Their main job is to look at all the incoming resumes for multiple positions. So a company might be hiring for 20 or 30 positions, and they will start to filter through. So they might be specialized in tech. And, and, and we have this, for example, back in the day at, at Uber in Amsterdam, there was a person who was looking at all the incoming resumes. Now, the reason this position exists is these companies see a lot of noise. So I'll give you an example. There's a position that says we don't sponsor visas uh, and we're only looking to hire from Europe. And th that position will still see a huge number of people applying from outside of Europe just because they don't read it or, or they fire and, and forget. So these inbound searchers look through those resumes and it's, it's a fire hose. So they, for popular companies, you might see easily from 20 to 100 resumes per day for some of the more popular positions. And so this person will just look through these resumes, they'll quickly scan it, and when they see someone who seems to meet the requirements that they were told, they're a person who's not, who might not be super technical at companies they usually are, they're just kind of scan, not like a robot, but they, they will look at certain things, technologies, years of experience, and when they see someone who meets the bar, they might get on a call with them to clarify uh, these things, or they might just pass them on to a recruiter. Now, this will be, again, a certain percent of, of of, of people so let's say from 100 inbounds we call them inbounds maybe 20 people might might go on like like that but it, it could be 80 it could be 10 and once they went through the initial screen then you would get the the recruiter call if you don't get through this initial screen better companies send you a rejection letter 
saying, I'm sorry, you were not a fit. You will never find out why. So that's, that's a little bit frustrating. Some companies will not send you anything. And this is a really frustrating part. Now, the interesting thing is I've, I'm talking with a lot of engineers, both inside Uber and, and large tech companies. It's very common to just not get an answer for your resume. People who have gotten offers from Google and Facebook, they told me that for multiple companies, they never received an answer. And there could be multiple reasons why you're not going to receive an answer. You might have applied by the time that people were already hired and they weren't looking at it anymore. Maybe they had internal candidates, et cetera. The point is, this is the most frustrating stage. So I see the numbers in, internally on from, let's say, 200 applications, how many offers we get. And the biggest drop-off, so the biggest kind of shrink is at the resume screening stage. So that's why, again, just having a clear and easy to read resume already makes you stand out from the crowd. It's it's insane, but it's, it's true. At, at least the best thing that you can do is just make sure that the inbound source or the recruiter is going to scan at your resume and get the most important details. That's right. it. Right. All right. And we have kind of touched on this. And now that we are talking about um, a resume that stands out, is a recommendation going to make your resume stand out? Or at what stage is it going to make it stand out? So I wouldn't call it a recommendation necessarily, but, but more referral. So one thing that every single tech company has, and any company that's big, that even startups do it, is employee referrals. And the way the employee referral works, even companies that don't have it, have it. Again, let's start with the, the, the two-person company. There's a CEO and the CTO. And the CEO says, we need to hire more developers and ask the CTO, can, can you get some people? And the CTO might be a, you know, like a person out of, out of college. And, and the CTO will be, oh, I actually have some friends. I, I work with them at university and they're really good. And the CEO is like, great, let, let, let's hire them. Let's not even interview, like, you know them. And this happens at, at, at any level. So as soon as, for example, when my team starts to hire, ask, ask the people, we're hiring, we're opening a headcount. If you know anyone, just, just let me know as well. Just refer them. And this is for a few reasons. Referrals work brilliantly. There's a lot of studies on, on why they work, but it's faster to hire people this way because if you know a friend who's good and you reach out to them, they'll, they'll, they're going to talk to you, but they might ignore recruiters. They are more likely to accept an offer. So if you, a lot of times at, at companies, when people go through all these processes, there are some people who just don't accept the offer. They might find it too low or, or the relocation will not. Referrals are more likely to accept. And referrals typically just stay longer. Uh, they The first day, they already know someone there, and they're excited to come and work here. And what big companies have done, it doesn't really work after a while, the whole, you know, do you know any friends? But they typically have programs. So internally, employees can refer through some sort of portal. And when they refer someone, it kind of goes in a priority queue. So recruiters will know to contact referrals first because, again, they know there's a higher chance. And if that person is hired, the employee gets money. This can range from, let's say, $1,000 all the way to I've heard companies pay eight or even $10,000 for an employee on a successful hire. So people are really incentivized to refer. And this has also started to have some people kind of cold refer people. The idea of the referral used to be that you would refer your friends or people you work with. But now some, some people even refer people they don't necessarily know, but people who reach out to them to LinkedIn because you, you get really good money if they're hired. So there are some sites that sell these referrals, which I, I don't really agree with. I think it's, it's really odd, but it's definitely a thing because it can be a win-win and it goes down to, so a lot of people do end up messaging people on, on places like anonymous networks, like Blind, which is uh, if you're in tech company, you have access to it. 
or you can register with your, your company email and they ask people, hey, could you refer me? Here's my LinkedIn profile. Here's uh, you know why, why I should be good for this position. Going through a referral is always very, very, very advantageous. You are very likely to talk with a recruiter that way, or at least they will properly read your resume, as opposed to being one of the very many inbound resumes that, that, that are just coming to the company. And again, one more thing to keep in mind, the more popular the company, the more resumes they will get. The biggest inbound traffic these days is, is for Google. I also heard Stripe, as soon as they announced that they're doing remote work, they're getting resumes from all over the world, 190 countries. So in that case, you, you might not even get your resume looked at just because there, there's so much inbound and maybe they hired enough people for that position. Right. All right. I kind of, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the pattern, what I am hearing is that initially the question was, you know, like about recommendations. And uh, we first started talking about um, your resume and how the, the common misconception is that you need to show yourself off rather than what you said and what I agree with, show how you can fit into the company and into the position. And the referral thing is also the same kind of uh, thought process, it seems. Who do I know at this company who could refer me? How could I get kind of ahead of the game of everybody else? And yeah, and, and it, it is. It, it is a game and it's a very competitive game. And people are thinking, oh, why do we need referrals? Well, well, there's two types of positions, but the position that everyone wants to get in, they pay very, very well with really good benefits. The Googles, the Facebooks, the Ubers, you know, they come with amazing perks. Uh, I mean, e even in Europe, uh, Uber gives you a great base salary. They give you a pretty much guaranteed cash bonus and they give you equity and they give you amazing perks. I, I think I had every month 300 euros in Uber credits every single month and, and the gym subside and all of these things. And of course, there's huge competition. So to get into these places, you do want to get ahead of the game. And even before, like, yeah, yes, do write your resume. But before you submit it there, you should look around in your network, for example, on LinkedIn. You should see, do you know anyone who's working there? Uh, or maybe you know someone who knows someone there. Maybe you could just message them saying, hey, I'm interested in a position. Would you be open to talking about it? Or maybe could you even refer me? If they say yes, you're already ahead of the, the, 90, of the other 95%. And again, this, this does goes for these big companies, but even for smaller companies, you could just directly apply to the website for a very small company, or you could message their CEO with a tailored message. After you've checked out their website, even better, you, you could come up with a suggestion on how to improve the product. Barely anyone does this, and the people who do it often end up uh, being hired for, for very small companies because, again, just, just no one does it, and, and they stand out from the crowd. I think a lot of developers used to think that, that you know software engineering was this field where you just got amazing benefits, like really good work-life balance, and it was so easy to get a job. The benefits are still there, but it's becoming really competitive. Word is out there. There's a lot of people who are going into software through, for example, boot camps that, that after a few year, few months, they promise to get, get you a great job. So if you want to, to keep up there, you, you do need to put a bit of extra effort. Again, this will not apply if you're either happy in your job or if you're really senior and and you're so sought after in a, in a niche field because you put in the work and, and, and you have the publicity that people come to you directly. Right, right. Let's circle back a little bit and say, okay, I have submitted my resume and I have successfully passed the first screening. It is the case that there are still many competitive resumes for that one position I am trying to get to. 
what should I highlight on my resume after I've made it, how you suggested, pragmatic and to the point, how will I stand out from the rest of the experienced engineers who are also in the competition for that uh, specific job? So the interesting thing about about this thing is your resume doesn't need to be perfect and it's not like an absolute competition where you need to have the best resume you just want to uh, resume is almost like a it's a sales pitch i talked with a recruiter one of the recruiters in hungary who has recruited for most hungarian tech companies i think she did six thousand interviews in 20 years and of course she saw like more than tens of thousands of resumes and she works in an agency where they they people come to the agency and they refer people on and they help them get hired and she told me something really interesting she said it's just a sales game she's like she told me that she's she writes resumes pretty much because people come to her with some sort of resume and she she completely changes it to help them get that job and she said it's just a sales pitch a resume is just for you to get that first conversation with the hiring manager or the recruiter and from there on the game changes as soon as they've had that phone call with you you are what we call inside the pipeline you, you then progress it doesn't really matter if later someone comes with an even better resume whatnot they'll have to go through the same process so it's just a filter you want to jump it and again that's why if if you're getting interviews great don't worry too much about your resume if you're not then start to tailor and start to put more effort into it but again like someone who let's say has, has worked at let's say google in a relevant field they might not need to tailor their resume they just send it on and, and they get immediate attention so it's a sales pitch it, it's a similar thing if we didn't have resumes it, it might be a phone call where you need to talk about yourself in in one minute that, that's how I, I think about it the only goal of the resume it's a binary thing is just to get you that follow-up phone call from the recruiter or the hiring manager mm-hmm. every single recruiter i've talked with or most recruiters who are pragmatic and doing it they all told me the same thing this is the goal of the resume that's a binary and there's not much benefit beyond that sure in the follow-up interviews people your resume will get forwarded so for example when i'm interviewing i'm doing an architecture on site or a hiring manager on site i will read the resume and then i'm gonna i'm gonna reflect on it a little bit but it, it doesn't really matter at that point point. and the reason being is when you're at the resume stage, people don't know you. You're you're just one of the very many pieces uh, of paper. documents, yeah, yeah, or pieces of paper. And people spend about six seconds on you. They just very quickly scan, and it's not that it's six seconds, but these are really experienced people, so they just get the key signals. As soon as you get it to an interview, or you and me, we've been talking about for about thirty minutes. You have even more time in an interview. You get to show a lot more about yourself. You get to talk about all your your different experiences, etc. It's a it's a very different game at that point. You are a lot more in control at that point. All right, I think that's a very important point to highlight and underline. The point of your resume is to get you that phone call, and then you can shine on with your personality or whatever skills that uh, you think are the most important. But exactly. the point of the resume is to is to be able to introduce yourself verbally. Yep. And you do that by showing with your resume that you are fit for this position. And then you have your fingers crossed because things are so opaque on the other side, you might not hear back for a different reason. So there's the other part of which a lot of people don't know about, but sometimes there's there's job positions out there that they're not hiring. They might have had to put out a job position for a legal requirement. Maybe there's an internal candidate who has a job pretty much, but they had to post it. Maybe they have a hiring freeze, but they just didn't update the website. So there's whenever you submit your resume, and that this is why when you're job searching, you need to submit to multiple places. If you have a dream company, submit to other, other companies as well. You just never know what's on the other side. And the companies, it's not that they don't want to be transparent. Uh, sometimes they they can't, 
And having been a hiring manager, as much as companies will say they care about hiring a lot, they will care about their existing employees a lot more. I was also hiring manager. I was hiring and I was quite busy hiring, but when there was some a fire happening on my team, I, I paused the hiring. I didn't review resumes. It was a lot more important to take care of the people inside the company than uh, outside the company. Right. And I feel like we have come back to this point periodically. Maybe this is a, a latent point of yours, but don't get discouraged if you don't get replies back, right? No, th this is this is the, the most discouraging part of interviewing, by the way, submitting to your resume and, and not hearing back. And it doesn't matter how good you are. In fact, I've had a person reach out to me for resume feedback who used to work at Google and Facebook. And then they did a startup and they didn't hear back from a couple of companies and they got completely discouraged. Google and Facebook. And then we talked about it and, and he made some changes and now he's hired at a, at a really great startup. But it's it's terrible. <laughs> as, as, a, as someone who's applying, do not get discouraged. You need to pursue through this. Again, if you have a position and, and you know, you're switching jobs, that's kind of okay because you still have a job. Hopefully, you're, you don't hate that job too much. If you're right now out of a job, then you just need to keep on, on pushing. And again, I do believe this is probably the toughest time in 20 years to get a job in tech any job. So just know that this will pass. It will get easier. It will get, get back to a lot more normal. But even so, this is how hiring works. It, it's just a dynamic, unfortunately. You're not going to have 100% response rate unless you don't apply for jobs and the jobs come to you. But that's a very different story. Yes, that's a different discussion. I know we have touched on this topic, but um, since I am I'm on the show, I've been talking to a lot of uh, different people in different positions at different companies. And a lot of people have highlighted the importance of uh, communications and soft skills. And I feel that tailoring your resume is kind of in this sort of area of expertise. However, we have talked about how really soft skills are not as important to highlight per se. Would you recommend putting any kind of um, different trainings on there? For example, a communications training that you have done? Or would you just let that be shown in the resume rather than being written out? The resume is about your hard skills for the most part. Soft skills will be evaluated on the recruiter call. So most recruiter calls focus on making sure, can you communicate? Are you motivated? Can you express yourself? And sometimes they'll, they'll probe as much as a non-technical recruiter can probe. They might probe into your experience. They'll ask, for example, they'll ask questions that the hiring manager told them to ask. For example, tell me a complicated system you've built. They, they don't know what it is, but they know they're expecting some sort. Or can you explain it to me? So my answer is no, don't bother with, with too much of these. Your resume should be very well written. So you should use, a. I always recommend people to, people to use, obviously spell checking, but grammar check as well. So use something like Grammarly, because if it it's not great English, it will show that your communication skills are not great and it will often be rejected or it will be put into this maybe pile and you might not get a call back. Un until you talk with a recruiter, people assume that your communication skills will be fine. And also putting things like communications training might, might backfire because most people who are great communicators never needed those kind of trainings. It's interesting because with, with software developers, there are enough hard skills to, to measure and to filter on that that goes in, into resume. One part thing that's a little bit around communication, but it's just more about expressing yourself. It, it goes back to expressing the impact of the project that you've had, which again, few people do. When you do that, you also show that not only 
have you done good work, but you're aware of why it mattered. And you're you're thinking not you're not just someone who they tell you do this, but you you actually contribute. And I see software engineering changing quite a bit for most companies. They're looking for people who are curious, who understand beyond. People don't want to hire people anymore where you just give them a ticket. Or at least I'll talk for the companies I work at. You don't want to hire someone. You give them a ticket and they go on and they do it. You want creative and intelligent people who will challenge you. They'll want to understand and they might suggest, hey, instead of doing this, why don't we we do this other thing? Let's refactor this this part and it'll it'll actually make things faster. All right. So there is a point to staying curious. It's just that that might not be the ideal thing to write on your resume. Yeah. And one last thing, I, a lot of things I talk about are the companies I worked at. So the fast moving, innovative companies. There is a different type of company, though, and, and these are the companies that hire for a generalist software engineer. So they, they'll typically, in job descriptions, they're not going to ask for five years of Java or JavaScript experience. They will ask for X years of experience in, in general, but they, they won't be hung up on technologies. Now, there's a different type of company, which some people will either apply to or, or be forced to apply to. Maybe they're not going to hear back from these companies that look for specialists. So these are the more mature organizations, some of the more traditional banks or agencies, and they want someone, they do want someone with five years of Java experience, and they're going to be hardcore at filtering at that. So if you apply for for those positions, I, I actually wrote a part of a, the chapter in the book on this as well, but then your resume needs to be a little bit different. You need to be, make it really clear that you do have these things. In that case, certifications on, the, on those languages will help a lot. It's just different cultures. I personally would not enjoy, or I did not enjoy working in, in those cultures. But again, they have their perks, that they're stable, they do have technical excellence, and they're often run with a slightly different management thinking than uh, what, what, what you usually hear on this show. All right. All right. Thank you. One last question, which is sort of in this general ballpark. In your experience, how do recruiters or hiring managers remain objective within the entire hiring process? It's it's a hard problem in the sense that there's not enough diversity in tech. We all know that, or at least the better companies are aware of this and they're actively doing things to increase this. And one of the things that we can, for example, talk that's easy in, in Europe, the diversity number that we can measure is gender diversity, so female versus male. I know in the US there is race, but in Europe we can't, or at least we couldn't do that at my last company. And first of all, usually job, you need to start from even before the resume. You need to start with the job description. You need to have inclusive job descriptions to have people, let's say, in this case of, of, of gender diversity for women to apply. If you have all these requirements that you don't need, a lot of women will not apply, and a lot of men who have 50% of it will apply. So you already have a skewed uh, pipeline. Some companies, kind of counterbalances and, and they proactively source for diversity. So they know that they're not going to have as many applicants. Also later during the resume screening, you typically won't have access to gender information. So you would just do your normal screening. And again, I'm not aware that, that you can do anything there, but for your interview process later on, it's a good practice to make sure that you have a well-balanced panel, ma making sure there's both genders are on that panel. And, and this is a cash 22 for some companies. I see some smaller companies who have zero female engineers and they struggle to hire that first one. And, and they also often get a lot of rejections. I, I know some female engineers who are really good engineers who rejected offers from these companies because they said, I, I don't want to do the first one or I didn't get a good vibe from there. So that, that's where it goes back to smaller companies should think progressively 
but even in Amsterdam, I, and now uh, I was talking to a company which had female uh, co-founders, and I think 60% of their engineering was, was female. They had no trouble attracting female candidates where the mouth spread, and they have a huge advantage in, in doing so. So I think that this question goes back to really the, the company needs to be serious about this. And once you're serious and once you start to, you also need to measure and then you need to fix things. At Uber, we paid a lot of attention to this and, and we had different programs, for example, for diversity candidates. We sometimes even had this thing where, where you could talk with someone in the company who would give you a bit of sense of what it's like working here, give you a bit more confidence because a lot of people were just intimidated to hire. So I don't have solutions that there's some tools that companies can and should use. And I, I hope it, it, it gets better. Uh, again, I, I'm seeing a big boom of, uh, especially with boot camps, of, of women finally coming back into tech. It seems from the 1960s, the numbers have been going down. And it's a shame because uh, really, I, I think the more I, I see some of these uh, documentaries are coming out on how there were some key women building the first uh, few uh, NASA software and so on. And, and you, you saw pictures of, of programmers that it was 50-50. So I hope we're going to get back to that uh, ratio. Right, right. Thank you so much for stating that we have talked about a lot of different aspects of writing a great resume. We talked about hard skills and um, really showing actual impact. And we talked about tailoring the resume to the individual job description that you are currently applying to. We talked about the pipeline and um, how the hiring process looks like. And we talked about the single point of the resume, which is to get you that phone call with the dream company. I have two questions. First of all, is there anything else you'd like to share? But second of all, is there any kind of advice that you would give to hiring managers to, to make this process a little bit more encouraging to software developers? Yes, yeah, so I'll start with the hiring manager feedback. Hopefully a lot of hiring managers are, are also listening to this podcast. I do believe resumes are a terrible way to filter people. It's bad. It says the it, guy who just wrote the book. <laughs> yeah, it, it favors people who are good at writing resumes, who, who get help. It just doesn't give much signal. In an ideal world, you would just get rid of the resume and you would directly talk with that person and figure out what their skills are. Now. I think if you're running a process where you're only relying on resume filtering and you're not even doing the resume filtering as a hiring manager, you're going to have a broken process and you should figure out how are you going to fix it. And there's a couple of ways you can fix it. The easiest one, it's not the best one that will help, is you also regularly review the resumes that the recruiters rejected. And you go through them and you read them and you educate your recruiter and you say, no, we're going to have an interview with this person. I'm actually going to call them up and you're going to find some hidden gems. The other one is there are some services. I really like this company called Woman Teams who take all your rejected resumes. They actually go through them and they, they call up most people and they have them do a one hour assessment, which is a real world assessment. And they come back with a bunch of people who say like, actually they're really good coders uh, or, or they meet the requirements. And a lot of people get hired by the, that company. Now this shows how broken the resume process is. This company costs money, but now instead of having to hire, recruit more people or source more people, you can act, you realize there's a lot of people who just didn't have a good resume. There's some other ways where I'm not a huge fan, but there's coding challenges, which it has a different downside. But for example, for rejected resumes, you could just, instead of rejecting them, give them a coding challenge. It's better than, than nothing. And they can prove some of those hard skills that they have. Or what Triple Byte does is uh, there's companies that you can team up with. They filter people up, up front. 
And once they verify, they, they actually take the time to get to know them. They don't reject them after six seconds. And once they say, like, here's a person who knows how to code and who has good communication skills, you can go straight to on-site. So I really hope at some point we're going to make this process better. I fear, personally, that because there are so many people hiring, there's not, not much incentive for people to fix this process. But again, I, I don't think it's a great process. I, I think some companies are already doing better. We, we should do better because people are more than just a, a paper. And also just one more thing to share. We, we mentioned there there's a giveaway for the book for anyone who has a job. But I wrote this book not because I wanted to write about resumes. In fact, I'd rather just not talk about resumes at all. But it, it seems that it was important for people and a lot of people needed it. So if you're someone who is out of a job right now, you can also go to detectresume.com and you can get a free copy. So if you're if you've lost your job uh, or you you will be losing your job, you can just get that. I think everyone should have access to uh, this because it will it's one of the most important things right for for anyone who really needs to get that next position. Thank you so much. This is really great and thank you for for sharing all this knowledge with our listeners. Do you have anything else that you would like to share that we have not touched on either about your future plans or about this book? Yeah, so by, by the time this podcast is out, this book will also be out. Uh, as we recorded it, it was not yet out. I'll be heads down writing the book that I originally wanted to write about growing as a software engineer. The advice that I have and observations I have from growing to an entry-level position at a tech company, the likes of Uber, Facebook, etc., to senior all the way to staff or principal positions. If you'd like to help, you can go to pragmaticengineer.com and fill out a short survey about your experience. And you can also subscribe to updates. I'm, I'm hoping to get the book ready by the beginning of, of next year. I'm actually working on this pretty much full time. So hoping to make some good progress there. Awesome. We are looking forward to it. And once again, where should our listeners follow your work? The best thing is on pragmaticengineer.com. And I'm also on Twitter. You can find my name. Awesome. That's pretty great. Uh, thank you for joining us today. As we are getting to the end of the show, as Gergely said, I would like to share with you that there is a giveaway of 10 copies of the Tech Resume Inside Out ebook. Please check out the episode's description for the link and also visit thetechresume.com to check out the book itself. Follow Gergely on Twitter or on his website, The Pragmatic Engineer. And uh, again, thank you so much for joining us. Today, my guest was Gergely Oros, former engineering manager at Uber. I am Karolina Toth, and I hope to see you next time. Thanks for staying with us. This was the Level Up Engineering Podcast by Apex Lab. Check them out at apexlab.io. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel, rate our content, and share your thoughts on this episode. See you next time. See you next time.